podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on AI Pro podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Downey and joining me to give their immediate reactions to Liverpool 3, Southampton 1 in the Premier League from Anfield are Dave Hendrick and Carl Matchett. Dave, I mean, we'll talk about the game. Of course we'll talk about the game. That's what this show is about. But all I could think of as that final whistle blew was what I put as the title of our chat here, five lovely weeks, because I think we all really need it and nobody needs it more than that group of players. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a well-needed break. Um, this team has obviously not been anywhere close to the required level this season. And even today, in a 3-1 win, they weren't at quite at the required level. There was too many occasions when Alisson was called on to make yeah. really big saves. But we are, what, five points off Newcastle? with the same number of games played, seven behind Spurs with the game in hand, somehow only 10 points behind City. And the thing is, it does make you cast your mind back a little bit and wonder, you know, if we'd just beaten Leeds, if we'd just beaten Forest, how different would we be sitting here looking at things? Um, but, look, we'll take the win today. I think there was there was a lot of good about our first-half performance uh, there was some bad about our our ninety minute performance, but all things considered, you, you take the three points and you you rush into this break, understanding that loads of our players are going to get lovely, lovely rest now. Thiago, Mo, Gomez, Matip, these lads are going to get to sit home now and relax, put the feet up for a little while. Diaz gets time to come back, who we've desperately missed, and we reset and. Look, there's 12 points to Arsenal, possibly 15 if they beat Wolves later, which seems likely. But in 24 games, it's not insurmountable if everything broke our way. They're going to have a really bad run at some point because that's who they are. And we're more than capable of going on an absolute tear in the back half of this season. I look forward to that as a possibility. And yeah, what we need here is a, a Klaus Schwabian great reset and uh, get, our, get our, our act together. And Carl, if we're to do that, of course, we will rely on the return uh, of a couple of vital squad members in Luis Diaz and Diogo Jota. And also, um, it'll be important for us to keep um, someone like Ibu fit for the second half of the season because we've seen what a difference that kid can make uh, alongside Virgil. And we will now, of course, and this is where I'm going with this uh, rambly intro to your question, uh, be heading into the period of, well, 
it's crazy town, isn't it? We've got five weeks ahead of us of transfer talk and ownership talk and World Cup apathy. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of glad that we have distractions because part of me is equally dreading the five-week break for all the chat with Dave there about reset and how it's needed, and I feel exactly that. Part of me is thinking, oh, my God, we have to start again and we have to wait five weeks for it to start again. And what, Carl, if it doesn't change? <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I think that there is enough reason over the last few games to look forward with cautious optimism, I think, is the best term for it at the minute. Uh, obviously, there's still a lot to fix. I think today was maybe one of the first games where I thought we were recognizable let's say as ourselves as liverpool as what we we know liverpool play like and look like in terms of shape and what we do off the ball and that sort of thing it's it's not anywhere near 100 percent. that's for sure uh, i agree with dave on the points of calling on the goalkeeper too often and all of the rest of it but it was it at least looked like liverpool you know some of the time when we've been changing formations recently and trying to do things a little bit of a different way to find ourselves back in the groove that's okay, that's fine, you've got to find a way. But it didn't really look like Liverpool a lot of the time. Even when we won a couple of those games, it didn't really look like the team that we've been watching for the last like half a dozen years. Uh, I thought today was a little bit of a step along that that path back to back to what we know we can be. And like you say, we've got big players to come back. I think also we'll... Uh, I don't want to make this sound like a Brendan Rodgers, Joe Allen another 15% to come. But I do think that we'll, still, we'll see a step up from Darwin Nunez again once he's playing centrally rather than, you know, a, a sort of juggernaut, cannonball, chain-wrecking ball from the left-hand side that he is at the minute, which is very good and very impactful. But I think we'll get even more out of him once he's through the middle again, maybe a bit regular of a supply line or maybe other defenders' are, uh, attentions taken away by the fact that this absolute monster of a forward called Luis Diaz is back into full fitness and able to take people on and all the rest of the stuff that comes with people being available. Now, you can't really assume that we're just going to have a full squad after Christmas because you know, football just doesn't work like that. We might lose someone with the World Cup or in the in the warm-ups, in the training pre-season and such that we'll have, all the rest of it. But yes, I think there's reason for cautious optimism. Yeah, I'm fully behind the cautious optimism angle myself, and I agree with uh, with your take on it. There is some evidence there, and uh, we just have to keep um, all appendages crossed uh, and hope that that kicks in. And as we turn our attention to this specific game, Carl, let me just stay with you for a second to reflect on the 11 that Liverpool took the field with. Uh, Klopp, from the stand, uh, was looking on as his team st uh, took the field, and it was the newly shorn Ali Becker. Um, clearly no Samson effects for the loss of the beard, even if he does just uh, look like uh, some, an assistant manager from a, a supermarket. Uh, I, I, I'm not a fan of this look at all but I'll tell you what um, it certainly had no impact on his form we went with Trent Joe Gomez came in alongside Van Dijk and Robbo the far side the midfield three selected were Fabinho Thiago and Elliot and then Firmino Salah and Nunez um, 
It's a strong looking team, Carl. And when you look at the bench, um, it's probably the best that he could have selected with Jimmy Miller on there, Adrian Ox, Simicus, Carvalho, Batichich, uh, Phillips, Doak and Kelleher. It's not a strong bench by anyone's um, measure of that word. So again, for what seems like the third or fourth time in a row, I find myself saying to whoever I'm talking about this to, whether it's you or Dave, it's probably as, as strong as he could have gone. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we I think we both expected Liverpool would go as strong as possible. No talk of, you know, resting people or anything like that uh, in the final game. No real rotation. Obviously, we had a couple of people uh, away again. Kanate with a minor knock. Henderson personal problem or personal issue, I should say, uh, kept him out of the game. So nothing long term to worry about there. Uh, and I think the, the lineup pretty much spoke for itself, to be honest. I don't think Gomez would have started if Kanate had been fit. Um, but all the rest, I think, is is pretty much as you would expect it. I think the three-man front line has been a bold move to use all of them and have nobody on the bench at all in some games. But it's kind of paid off. Uh, not not every single time, of course, but today it did. Against Spurs, it did, for example. So decent enough from the club, I think. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. It's an interesting idea, Dave, to go big uh, and retain nothing by way of a surprise attack on the bench because there is nothing by way of surprise attack on that bench at all in any way, shape or form, unless you're putting all your eggs in the Carvalho basket, which is a very silly thing to do. So um, it's a it's a big call. And yet, it, it, as Carl says, it's probably the right call and it has worked out for him today. It has, but I I don't like it at all. I I don't think it actually really works all that well because I think it leaves us quite exposed off the ball. Um, and obviously then like you do run the risk if someone gets hurt, who comes on. But it, look, we, we got three goals from two of that uh, front three today. Mo should have had at least one goal and probably should have had a penalty as well. And we, we will obviously talk about that, but all things considered, you just take the three points. It's, it's all that matters at the moment. You know, you just get as many points on the board as you can and get into that break. And like Carl said, you know, no new injuries today. Kanate, I'm sure if, if the World Cup wasn't starting next week, he probably would have been available. The same thing with Henderson. I'm sure if the World Cup wasn't just on the horizon, those two lads would have been available to us today. And we're due Diaz back soon. So, you know, you're starting to get people rounding into into fitness and a bit of form. And Darwin, with each passing game, just looks more and more at home. I think he's he's really calmed down with, with the first touch, with some of the passing. His dribbling looks a little bit better. He's just starting to round into 
a really talented footballer and the, the results speak for itself. I mean, look at the, the goals to minute ratio. It's it's very, very impressive, especially when you consider he's not playing through the middle in every single game and he's not starting every game. Yeah, it's exciting to think about what this guy can become. It's also just exciting to look at him as he is now uh, in his raw form as well. And we will no doubt end up having a big chat about Darwin because um, he was one of the high points of the game for me. And it's a strange afternoon before we get stuck into uh, having a look at uh, our opposition um, uh, in a second with yourself, Dave, and then I'll go back to Carl uh, to finish it out on them. Um, it's a strange day. You know, you mentioned City. City end up on a, on, a, a, on the losing end against Brentford and Everton getting absolutely taunt um, today as well. Uh, there's a, a little clip on Twitter where Everton fans firing Alex Wobey shirt back at him. Uh, that's wonderful. not good. Oh, it's beautiful. So there's man. there's obviously, 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 I'm enjoying it, but I'm I'm trying to just no, no, let it out, Trev. Let it out, Trev. We all need to acknowledge <laughs> that Frank Lampard needs to be given at least another eighteen months in charge because we won't know if he's good enough for at least another eighteen months. It's a wonderful day when they get their backside slapped by Bournemouth, when City lose, when Rangers lose. When, oh, sorry, Rangers drew with St. Miriam a late goal. Celtic won, and obviously we win. That's a fantastic day all round. Well, listen, the only thing you can say about it, if, if you know, the the, the the chorus, of course, if, uh, for Evertonians that they'll be familiar with is just fucking boo, because that's what they do, isn't it, from the stands? They do like a boo to the Everton uh, lads. And as we spin it back towards uh, the red part of Merseyside. We're going to have a look at our opposition today, David. I'll start with you just to talk a little bit about this lot um, because I was kind of looking forward to seeing what would happen here today with them, with their uh, new boy um, who's done um, uh, wonders with um, with Luton and um, has this uh, emerging reputation. Um, I thought it was too quick in terms of his appointment for there to be a new manager bounce, but they had a right go at us today. And they've got some fantastic young players in this team. Um, Bazunu, we know all about because he's keeping um, Big Cueve out of the Irish net. And then they've got Kotchap, they've got Kaleta Carr, who we were linked with at one point, Sally Sue, Perro, Lavia, who I know you like, Ward Prowse, uh, Stuart Armstrong, uh, che Adams, Eddie Anusi and Adam Armstrong as well to round out the team. And, and you're looking at their bench as well. McCarthy's on there. Maitland Niles is quite highly rated. Lianco came on too. Aribo, uh, Mara, uh, Gineppo, an awful lot of people will be familiar with it. Dozy came on. They've got Diallo and Theo Walcott on there as well. It's a strong squad, I mean, mm. to be fair. And they need, they do need a change of direction and a, and a very distinctive game plan. I thought they played some lovely football against us today. Um, as you mentioned earlier on, opened us up way too too much um, for comfort. Uh, we were reliant on the excellence of our keeper uh, way too often. So it looks to me like they're going to have a good time under this lad. I think if he can get it right, and they're not far off being right, uh, that they should be okay. The thing they lack... Trev is they lack grown-ups in the room. Like it's a very, mm. very young team. Bazunu, Bellacocha, Salisu, Lavia. They're they're kids. And you're looking at the bench and it's Mara, Adozi, Diallo. They're all very young players. 
there's no real leadership in that team. Ward Prowse is captain, I assume, because he's been there the longest. I can't really see anything else that you give him the armband for. He's very much a nothing player outside of set pieces. But they were, they were, they were well set up. They were ready to play. They were clearly wanting to put on a bit of a show for the new manager. And there's a lot of talent there without question. There's an awful lot of talent there. There's a few lads in that team that I'd very much like us to get our hands on. Bella Kotchuk being one, Lavia being the other. And I wouldn't turn my nose up at the likes of Tino Livermento, who's not there today. So yeah, they've got a strong-ish squad, but they just need to get a few grown-ups in in January to teach the young players how to get through adversity. Because the one thing with this Saints team that has caught them time and time again over the last couple of years is when something bad happens, it tends to snowball on them. And they they don't always react in the best possible way. Like They reacted quite well to our first goal. But when we got our second, we could have had numbers three and four before three went in, three could have been number five. You know, only for the goalkeeper made two great saves and another good save. It, we could have had that game dead and buried before Darwin scored his his second and our third goal. Yeah, I'm wondering, is there anybody knocking around at uh, young Nathan Jones's former uh, clubs um, that might be able to do a job for him in that kind of um, uh a senior pro uh, he's only managed in the lower leagues you, you don't want to bring in lower see, that's players the in. you've got to find someone with real Premier League experience I said to Carl on Scouted if I'd been running Southampton in the summer when Fabian Delph left Everton I'd have gone and thrown a two year contract at him and said look just come in you're not going to play a whole bunch so if you're retiring this will be like semi-retirement but you'll get paid well all we want is your experience and your voice in the dressing room you're going to be for us what a James Milner is for Liverpool. You're going to just let these players know what the standard is, what's required, and how they work themselves out of bad moments. Like Fabian Dow's never been a great player, but he carved a 14-year Premier League career out for himself, has a couple of Premier League winners' medals in his pocket. So you do have to show a bit of respect to that and remember that you know that that fella could could have done a job for not just at Hampton but a couple of Premier League clubs this season. He's not that old; he's three years younger than Milner, maybe. So he definitely could have done a job for you. And there's one or two others as well tipping around that would have made kind of sense to bring in. And they obviously need to find a goal scorer as well, though. That's the the big thing for them is they they just you look at the squad. There's there's a good goalkeeper. There's a good group of centre backs, a good group of full backs. They're a little bit light in midfield. You'd like to see them add maybe one more in there. But then it's find a number nine, find someone that can put the ball in. It doesn't have to be anybody spectacular. Just go and find a Callum Wilson type who can get you 12 to 15 Premier League goals across a season. That's going to cure a lot of your problems. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was listening to Jan in the week chatting about Nathan Jones. He had a kind of insight because he cycles with uh, Jones's assistant manager um, on a regular basis. So he had he had the lowdown on um, on the fella. And to listen to Jan talk, talk about him, I thought he was a, a child. 
I mean, he's a, he's a month older than me, Nathan. He's no child. So uh, this is going to be his go. Uh, and hopefully he'll have an opportunity to take it because he probably won't get another one if it, if this doesn't work out. Certainly not at the highest level. Uh, if he's um, um, 49 years of age, you know, that's, that's, that's probably the reality of it for him. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do there. And Carl, just before we go away from Southampton, I do want to just look at one or two of those players with you because we'll talk about them during the game, but it's, it is important to maybe just pick one or two of them out. Like Dave highlighted a few, probably there's going to be a lot of crossover there in terms of the ones I'm going to speak to you about. But in the keeper, Bazunu, they really do have a talent there. Um, he was excellent in that first half against us particularly. Um, and Bella Kotchap as well is highly rated. And I, I'd like to get your take on him and whether or not he'd be someone that you'd be looking at uh, with this sort of envious gaze um, in terms of the Reds potentially rec- recruiting him. And then of the others, if you were to pick another one outside of the goalkeeper and Bella Kotchap um, in their younger crew, which one would you think has the most, uh, the highest ceiling there? Uh, Lavia for me, for sure. Uh, he's, you know, he's still uh, another one of their their children. Let's say he's still in the crash very much, and his formulaic sort of Premier League career because he didn't really obviously have any kind of senior experience at Man City. But I've been massively impressed with him in terms of his positional sense, in terms of his uh, adherence to to the tactical plan that Saints have had up until now. Obviously under Hasenhutl, I think technically he's a very very strong player as well. So. Given his age, given the position that we will need to add in and or improve in, we'll we'll still see how Fabinho goes. I think certainly for for the upcoming few years, uh, Romeo Lavia is definitely one I would be looking at. Mm. Um, I mean, like I would have been happy to have him right now, but I'd never really watched him too much before outside the UEFA Youth League, to be honest. So it's not like I would have said oh, we should have got him this year or nothing like that. I just think what we've seen so far, brilliant, really, really impressive. He doesn't turn nineteen till January. Yeah. Wow, he's he has a long, long runway. Yeah, you bring him in. We could get him in the summer as a Fabinho successor and kind of have a two-year handover period almost, where you know he can learn from Fab because he's got he's a bit more mobile than Fab, but he's got a lot of similarities in how he positions himself, how aggressive he is in going and winning the ball back, and like Carl said, his his tactical discipline is very, very good, and his his on-ball stuff is excellent. And let's be honest, um, that is um, our corner shop when it comes to yeah. recruitment, isn't it, Southampton? So um, the the ties are very much there. Um, Carl, to start the opening uh, half with you, uh, the, what we'll do is we might as well just get, go that opening 10 minutes where we, mm. we have uh, two goals in there. And I will just hold my hands up. Uh, and admit now that there was I was reliant on successive shitty streams today. That's just how it was for me, unfortunately. So um, there were five minute spells um, on, on both in both halves where I was a little bit all at sea. So if anything major happened that I don't mention, please do pick me up on it. Um, but as far as I could see, because it took a while for it to get settled, the biggest thing in those opening f- five minutes was uh, Mo Salah breaking uh, uh, on four minutes and being fouled. Um, 
there was a yellow card awarded at a free in and from that free in um, on on the fifth minute mark uh, Bobby Firmino puts his head it is a, a lovely clever header sort of a back header glancing thing to turn in an in swinging Robbo free kick from the right hand side that's seven Premier League goals for Bobby so far now this season um, and for all that certainly his game may not be the Firmino of old if he can do that type of thing, he's worth his jersey for sure. Um, our celebrations didn't last long, Carl, because within uh, three minutes, they are level. And it's Adams uh, who scores their goal. Almost a mirror image or whatever you call the opposite, you know, like one of those um, uh, uh, Rorschach tests where you fold over an ink blot. It's almost like that. It was on the other side. Um and it was another in-swing free kick this time from the opposite sort of flank. Uh, and it is Adams who gets there to help on uh, the cross from Ward Prowse from the free kick uh, and bury it home. Um, talk to me about both goals uh, and about that, that that start for the Reds. It was nice to to score the first goal in the game. I think we have to keep pointing that out, considering the amount of times it's happened in the reverse. Uh, so quite a nice, fast start for us in terms of moving the ball about. I don't think there was you know, a huge amount of refined play before the goal went in, but there were quite a few passes in midfield, which were nice and sharp and forward looking. Obviously, when Diago gets on the ball nice and early, you can see that the tempo does go a little bit higher. And also, I thought Javier Elliott had a very, very good start to the game as well. The goal... I think the delivery was actually a little bit short. I think it was supposed to go a bit deeper and uh, Firmino had like just dropped off and was able to take the step towards it then, but a really, really good flick. I think that that was probably as much down to Bazunu not really reacting in time or maybe shifting his feet in time as much as the actual header going in the corner. That was probably the only moment of the game where I thought Bazunu didn't have you know, the greatest uh, moment or decision-making, to be fair. Uh I mean, it's difficult to say deserved because it was only a few minutes in, but we had made a reasonably lively start, I thought, which is, is always nice in contrast to the absolute drivel we were serving up in the first 10, 15 minutes of games earlier in the season. Uh, so again, that's what I was referring to earlier. It's a little step forward, a little step back to where we should be or which is recognisable as us. Um, so that was that was good. Less good the, the, the immediate minutes after that, obviously. And I'm not sure that there was too much wrong with it other than I think it was Gomez who was on uh, Shea Adams initially and he sort of let him go beyond him. And then it's, I mean, he's not exactly marking because obviously we don't man mark, but it's in his zone and Adams gets the run on him. And then Virgil, who is the next man back, can't get across him in time or get enough of an arm on him. But the line was good. Nobody sort of dropped off and played everyone on side by, you know, three yards more than everyone else. Sometimes, if it's a very well-timed run and a, a good delivery, I think you kind of have to accept it. So maybe we could do more in terms of being a little bit more aggressive with those centre-backs getting back at the same rate as the forwards, but I'm not going to be too harsh, I don't think, that time. I'm going to come back to you for the way we finished the, the half, which is, again, very much on the up. And Dave, we'll take the chunk in the middle now, which is basically from the equalising goal up as far as, we'll say, just before Darwin's uh, second. Uh, and if we were to look at that spell in the game, I mean, it's an interesting uh, part of the game because we do really kind of 
we are very dominant. I was very impressed with the football we were playing. As Carl was saying, I thought, you know, we looked a lot more like ourselves. Um, 15 minutes, it was a nice move with dangerous ball in from the left. I can't remember who delivered it. I assume it was Robbo. Um, it, it ball goes into Mo Salah and Bazunu saves brilliantly. At, it was Darwin. It was Darwin's left Darwin. across. Yeah. Uh, and it's a fantastic save um, by Bazunu um, at Mo's feet. Again, I, I saw no no replays of anything because I'm watching these crap streams. Um, we do go two one ahead, and it is the boy Darwin who had started the match well and was showing well. And again, like you said, some of the rough edges getting knocked off just with time here. Um, this goal came after a spell of really good pressure by us, to be fair. Uh, Harvey ended up pinging in a gorgeous ball from the edge of the D into Darwin's path. It's a fantastic pass. I mean, you know, this is what this kid can be for us, this type of thing. And the run by the striker deserves some credit as well. He is now showing that instinct to come into the right places at the right time. And so, too, does the finish because it's a cushion volley past an outrushing keeper and into the corner. And it's a lot more difficult and delicate and belies all the imbeciles who are referring mm. to Nunes as some sort of a cart horse. Um, so lots to love about that goal. We'll, we'll, we'll walk past it in a second, you and I, but just up as far as there and including that. Is there anything you want to mention? Um, just on, on there, their goal, I think Carl's absolutely right about our first goal I think it is actually a, a bit of a poor delivery that Bobby turns into into a great delivery with a little bit of um, improvisation their goal is just is really poor from Joe Gomez and from Bobby I think Bobby thinks we're playing offside I think Joe Gomez thinks Bobby's marking him and I've seen Virgil getting pelters on social media because of it but it's not Virgil's fault Virgil's not there to mark Che Adams, he's there to guard the ball to the back post and has to just react to it and can't get there in time. He's never in a position to get there in time. So that's just really poor from the two boys, but it is what it is, and it wasn't Gomez's last mistake of the day. Um, the, the Darwin first goal is it's an excellent ball by Harvey. It really is. Harvey at times we'll put it all together and make it look really good, which is what you expect from a 19 year old. It doesn't happen all the time, but that, that pass is an example of, you know, what he's going to be capable of doing on a regular basis. It's just perfect weight, perfect float, perfect accuracy. And like you said, it's a great finish from Darwin. Like it's a great finish. The keeper's flying out at him and he just cushions it past him on his weaker foot. Uh, that's nine goals now for Darwin this season, five in the Premier League in 10 games in what is, I think, just over 600 minutes um, in the league. So that's a, a really good return. Plus, he's got a couple of assists. Uh, so nine goals. Now, obviously, we've heard people wanting to mock him and compare him to Benteke and to Andy Carroll. Uh, so just, we might as well be fair. Christian Benteke, 10 goals in 42 games for Liverpool. And Andy Carroll, 11 in 58. Uh, Darwin will pass them up probably before he hits 20 games for the club. So the comparisons to both of those players was always a nonsense. The lad is is very, very talented. And I think that goal was an example of why. And, and you mentioned the, the Salah chance. Like, it's a great left-footed cross. 
with perfect weight, perfect pace. And Basuna does brilliantly to come out and smother the chance. But, you know, he, he's very close to having a goal and an assist there. And he's involved in all our best moments. Every, it, when he comes central, chaos happens and the defence doesn't know how to deal with him. And then he shows he can go wide and get crosses in as well. So you're getting an awful lot from him at the minute. It's funny you mentioned uh, he could have had a goal and assist because I'm just, I'm just looking at a stat here stating uh, it's Joel Rabinovitz. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that Darwin is now averaging a goal or assist every 85 minutes and I will take mm. that kind of return, you know? Yeah. Um, let's let's just walk our way towards um, the next time we'll be talking about Darwin um, uh, and I'll chat to Carl about that. But there are a few bits and pieces in between. On the 29-minute mark, there was a really good carry by uh, Harvey Elliott. He played in Mo Salah, who rolled the ball in towards Darwin Nunes. Darwin's going away from the right-hand post, and he has a lovely, a clever back heel, which is met by Bobby Firmino in a central position. But again, Bazunu's out to make another fantastic save. Um, 31 minutes, another great move. Mo fires. Robbo's cut back uh, towards the corner. Um, but uh, Southampton leg gets stuck out and deflects it back towards Bazunu in a kind of fortunate way. Um, we've, we're just playing fantastic keep ball, to be fair. Um, the on, on the 35th minute, five minute mark, uh, Trent ballooned one over fairly wildly off target, but it was on the back of just, just fantastic keep ball. And again, echoing that point Carl made, just a little bit more of the famous identity returning, which is nice. Mm. Um, 36 minutes, there was a wild uh, Harvey uh, right-footed cross. I think some people were of the opinion that it was an attempt on goal. It was absolutely a cross, but it was with his standing leg. uh, And uh, as a result, it went off uh, target for him, but nearly went in uh, just narrowly over the bar. And then on 40 minutes, uh, we'll stop here. Uh, ball in from the right and a Southampton header over the top is their first effort in anger um, since the early goings. So to be honest, we have dominated that half. We have dominated that period of play. We're about to put a little cherry on top in a second um, with Darwin's second goal. Is there anything in there you wanted to chat about in terms of how we were playing or any features of the way that we were playing that, 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 that you wanted to pick out? Yeah, I thought when we got a bit of movement in the front three, when Darwin made central runs, when Bobby dropped out a little bit, when Mo started to come more central as well and be more aggressive with the ball and, and Harvey as well joining those attacks, I, I thought we were able to get them moved around quite a bit as well. As one of the things you'll always look to exploit in younger defenders is, you know, the lack of awareness of when to rotate through marking an individual player. So you, you would see things like Mo going central and Salisu following him and opening the channel behind him so Darwin could dart into it or Harvey could go into it or later on in the game, Trent made one or two good runs into that area as well. So... Those were promising things to see because our front line has been a little bit stodgy at times this season, kind of, you know, this is my position, this is where I'm going to play. Whether that was by design or by decision, I don't know. But it was really nice to see a bit of movement and a bit of interplay. Um, You're absolutely right. The Harvey one is 100% across, uh, just not a very good cross. Um, I don't know if we've got to the moment where Darwin has the header that Basuna makes a good save from as well, where he comes out and does that kind of Peter Schmeichel star jump type thing. Um, But like he had those three 
kind of other moments along with the two goals, the the chance for Mo, the chance for Bobby and that header, like he, five big moments, five big key involvements in the first half causing absolute ructions for that Southampton defence and and really looking like he was just lively. And the other thing, because you're going to go to Carl now, so I'll just mention this. I thought that first half display by Thiago was an absolute masterclass in how to pass mm. a football, mm. where to pass a football, who to pass a football to. He had one or two moments where the ball got stuck under his feet and he got knocked off it or whatever. But I, I thought from, from minute one to to minute 90, I, I just thought he was different class. But that first half in particular, like playing it short, playing it short, drawing them in, little burst of pace to beat a man, and then in behind for Darwin. And all of a sudden, the defence is on the back foot, turned round, and we're in behind them. And he was able to do that a couple of times, get Darwin away, get Robbo away. He got Harvey away on the other side as well one time. So these type of things are always really good to see. And when he's when he's humming our team does tend to does tend to be a little bit more succinct and a little bit more dangerous. I've seen them all. As you know, I'm an ancient man and he's the best to do it. He's the best to do it. I would have him in all my all-time 11s. There's something about the way that kid plays that is just so fun to watch, but also so awe-inspiring. I My f- personal favourite of all the many, many things I like about um, his game is how he manages to delay and delay and delay until the most opportune moment, not fearing uh, encroachment by two, three, four def- uh, opposition players, and then release the ball with whatever part of his foot is closest to it with exact precision. Um, anyone looking to learn how to to play that position could, could, could learn endlessly from uh, Thiago. He's a, he's a genius, and, and what... Luis Enrique is doing not bring him, bringing him uh, to the World Cup. I, I, I have no idea, but I am delighted. Not for the kid himself, because I'm sure he'd love to play, but wow, that's a silly decision. Anyway, Carl, to finish up the first half, and if you want to go back to anything we've mentioned there and dwell on it, feel free to. We do end on a high, um, and actually we just ended the, the half playing good football, but on 41 minutes... Um, immediately after that one Southampton uh, uh, attempt, the header over the top, um, we are 3-1 up and it's a lovely flowing move. Bobby Firmino plays in Robbo down the left. It's a nice, uh, nice, lovely weighted ball by um, by uh, Bobby. Um, Robbo had a great afternoon, I thought, and his uh, cross is exact and precise and met by Darwin in the six-yard box, but he's doing that thing again as Dave said, not for the first or second or third, possibly the fourth time in the, in the game where he's arriving at, in the right place at the right time. And I mean, I know it's old fashioned, Carl. I know it's a little bit of a cliche, but that's exactly what you want from your striker. It's that awareness of when to pop up. And sometimes I think it's instinctual. Um, I think it could be maybe a little, obviously there's a lot you can learn, but I, I, I sometimes think, especially with a player like Darwin, that it's instinct and, and, and to have a guy with those instincts because we know Jota has them, it's very encouraging because you know um, it gives us an opportunity to win games. Um, talk to us a little bit about Darwin, his contribution to the first half, and anything else you want to pick out there before you and I start into the second. I think about the second goal. Could you try again? Sorry, that's just, that's just Siri popping up. Whatever you said triggered my Siri. I'm sorry. All good. 
<laughs> I mean, if if, the, if she wants to join in the podcast, there work away. <laughs> um, I, I think for Darwin's second goal, my my favourite things about that were one the anticipation, obviously, of where the ball was going to go, which is part striker instinct, like you say, but also part understanding of Liverpool's game and understanding of the players in the Liverpool team and where they will put the ball. So he's not dropping off or you know, waiting for a cut back in that position in that kind of forward momentum from Robertson. He knows that it's going to go low. He knows it's going to go along the six-yard box, basically. And that's where he's getting himself into. That's a number nine. And that's getting to know your teammates a bit more. The other part of it I like is the determination because a lot of people, a lot of forwards that Liverpool have had, in fact, centre forwards would not be always, especially when already leading, be absolutely busting a gap to get across the front post, to get across the last defender, get across your own teammate and make sure you're the one who reaches the ball. And that's, again, a big part of being a striker at the top level. So I enjoyed seeing both of those things. I think, um, like I said before, I think Darwin's performance was very, very impactful. He's not always the most refined, obviously, when he's dribbling the ball, but sometimes that's, you know, not the worst thing in the world. There's all different ways of winning a game and there's all different ways of taking people on. And he is really, really difficult to stop once he starts moving. The pace that he has, the power that he has, he's got a decent change of direction, He's not afraid to go on the outside and try and cut back or cross with his left foot. Uh, So they're not always just trying to stop him coming inside for, you know, like a curler, like we sort of see Diaz quite a lot of the time do, for example. Um, So I think he's very, very, I think impactful is the best word. It's not always the best end product at the minute. Again, it's not his best position. I think we'll see more from him in terms of the the decision-making and everything when he's playing centrally more often. But at the moment, I think it's probably doing him a lot of good playing him out on that side where there's a bit more space as well, where he's going to get the ball as an outlet for us, where he's able to uh, not just be the final touch in the box, but able to be involved in the build-up play and the link play, seeing you know, Firmino dropping off and noting that there's space there to get himself in and, and then actually doing it as well. So all of these things are very, very positive. He's very hard working as well. No problem with tracking back or making a, a tackle or anything like that. Gives a few fouls away. That's going to happen. That's you know, kind of big play that he is. Uh, overall, I think overwhelmingly positive at the moment. Yeah, and that's exactly how he started the second half, um, finding himself in the sharp end of the move again. 46 minutes he was played in. And um, the first Ali saves then occurred in the second half. He makes at least three massive saves in the second half. Um, again, you'll ha- I'm going to ask you to fill in some of the details here for me, Carl, because I literally... Uh, got to see half of it stream crapped out and we'd gone past replays by that stage. But I do know um, that he made a massive save as a Southampton forward was played in. I couldn't get the details. Can you fill us in on what happened in that particular incident? On the first one-on-one? Yes, the first one's about 48 minutes or so. Yeah, I think the first one, I think, was a really nice little interplay just sort of around one of our centre-backs. I think it was on Gomez's side uh, and... Actually, this might have been the second one now. I've got them muddled up in my head. But anyway, both of them were very, very similar. It was a quick one too. It was a, you know, a one going inside. And it looks like he's got a big space to finish in, to be fair. But Ali, apart from just the block, it's actually the deciding which way he's going to move his body, make sure his leg is spread the other way. Very, very good stop. It's, it's consistently one of the strongest parts of his games. It's obviously uh, an aspect of his performance that allows us to play the way we do in terms of high defensive line and not being too afraid to let people run through all that kind of stuff. It was a huge save, really good concentration as well, considering let's say minimal involvement really between when he did concede the goal and that first chance. 
Absolutely. And I'll need your help again in a second. 49 minutes, we did see a really good Bobby Firmino header from a Robbo corner. It's just over the top. I thought he did well. He sort of pulled out uh, to meet the flight of the ball and directed it back towards goal quite powerfully. Um, But it's just over the top, Um, a decent effort. At that point, that's 49 minutes. So say from 50 to 55 minutes, my stream craps out. So if there's anything that needs to be filled in there, I'll ask you to do that. Um, when it kicked back in, the commentators seemed to be suggesting that the Southampton players had had some of the ball, at least in that five-minute spell. Um, it was then sort of disrupted by Darwin Nunes raiding down the their, their left-hand side on 57 minutes. And again on 57 minutes, uh, the new Southampton manager decided to change it up quite considerably, bringing on Walcott, um, also Edozi and uh, Maitland-Niles for the trio of um, the Armstrong brothers and Keleta Carr. And at that point, then, we are getting to uh, one of the most controversial uh, moments of the game, and we'll get both of your takes on this. But just before that, on 61 minutes, Elianusi's through uh, another fantastic Ali save. And then we have the incident where Mo is brought down the box. And I want to talk to both of you about that. So uh, just a little chunk there of the game. And if there was anything in the 50 to 55 minutes mark that I've, that I've missed, um, you can finish by giving me your take on the penalty and then I'll swing straight over to Dave for his. Uh, I mean, in between those two one-on-ones, there was a lot of giving the ball away. That's what I will say. We didn't, I don't think, start the second half in quite the same sort of tight possession uh, that we did in the first half. The one-on-one, the second one, I think, was the one which came slightly from the right-hand side of our uh, penalty box or the right channel in terms of the build-up play. Again, really, really good spread. I thought that one was actually a much bigger chance, but again, he's he's done what looks basic in terms of just throwing yourself out at someone, but it's really not. You speak to the goalkeeper coaches and they will tell you it's, one, obviously the timing when you do go to ground, but two, it's the way that you uh, weight your body, which position you're going to make your hand saving one side and your legs obviously have to be the other side. You basically decide which way you want them to shoot and try to make them do it by that. And he is just the absolute master at that. I love seeing that kind of one-on-one save, although I'd probably prefer he didn't have to do it quite so often uh, in tight match situations. Penalty-wise, I'm not sure I think I would have given it, to be fair. He probably should have got the shot away a little bit earlier or got himself all the way across the defender because he was ahead of him at one point. There was definitely a little tug of the shirt. I'm not really sure I would have been happy to see that given if it was against Liverpool, to be fair. I don't think it was quite enough. If you're having a look at it live there with me, it's in the chat. So here's my take on it, Dave, before I go to you. As you can see, Mo Salah is probably the strongest pound-for-pound footballer in world football. He's in, incredible in the way that he uses his body. Only Sadio Mane could could have could have uh, rivaled him for ages. I thought he was excellent today in terms of using his strength and physicality really well. And what he tries to do there is he tries to plant his left foot at one stage and move off from it. But he can't because... Um, uh, Belkacab comes through the back of it and knocks it forward and you can see what happens there the, his left foot gets knocked forward by Belkacab's uh, momentum um, and then the hand across him I'd agree with Carl is not strong enough to warrant anything but there is then a pull uh, of the left arm uh, the left sleeve of the jersey as well again probably not enough and you might be I'd probably be doing a big cry if it was given against us but for me the the central thing is the connection that he makes with Mo's left leg. What's your take on that? 
Yeah, I think there's, 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 there's three things at play here. There's the fact that the arms are looped around. Now, that clip that we have doesn't show who initiated that. Um, it may well have been that Salah tried to get a better body position and, and put his arm into Bella Kotchup and hold him off. But there's absolutely contact between Bella Kotchup's right foot and Moe's left heel as Moe takes his foot back to plant and then shoot. Um, that's a foul. And then because Bella Kotchup makes that contact, he actually knocks himself off balance. And because their arms are limp, he actually pulls Mo, Mo back with the... I think it's a penalty. I do. I think it's a penalty. I think when you're moving... This is obviously slow motion as well. When you're yeah. moving that quickly and you get that type of contact, it's going... Any small contact is going to knock you off balance. And I agree. Mo is one of the strongest players I've ever seen pound for pound. But the key words in that, Trev, are pound for pound. Bella Kotchup is much bigger than Mo Salah. Like, he's about six inches taller, and he's probably got two or three stone on him. He's a much bigger individual, and he's a very strong boy as well. We saw him body Darwin in the first half as well. So, you know, for as strong as Mo is, you know, a big, strong man will always beat a little strong man in a a test of strength, because there's just more of him. Uh, I will also yeah. point out that I'm absolutely outraged that Ginny Wijnaldum wasn't included in your pound-for-pound uh, pound strength list because that fella was an absolute machine who could never be knocked off the ball. I think it's a penalty. I do. I, I, I think it's a penalty for the right foot on on the left heel. I think that's the yeah, contact that's there. The, and what bothered one, yeah. me was watching the game. Now, I managed to find a wonderful stream with no commentary, which was just an absolute delight. But we didn't see a replay for a good three to four minutes after mm. Mm. it happened. And I don't understand why. We saw a replay when it became clear that VAR was not going to overturn the referee's decision. Now, maybe their argument is it's not clear and obvious, and that might be it, that oh, he couldn't have seen that contact from where he was and yada, yada, yada. But I'm sorry, for me, that is a penalty. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye.
And what's more outrageous about it and what really uh, infuriated me was that after waving play on and it seemed I, I, I one assumes there was some sort of checking going on uh, in the VAR box, uh, but they actually managed to get the ball upfield and we needed Alisson to be brilliant again, you know, and uh, at this time it was uh, Dozy, I think he was in and it was another fantastic bit of work by Ali um, as the play went on and it was that's that type thing I mean if that and, and say a dozy scores there that's when the your your the hackles really start to raise and I, I, I honestly you know it's 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 a, it is a key moment in the game regardless um I thought Virgil did very well Dave um versus Adams on 64 minutes and lots of signs that maybe we can look forward to a second half of the season where Virgil is doing Virgil things again and being like outrageously dominant. He was from, again, from corners in an attacking sense, but I thought he did very well defensively today again. Uh, and that's nice to see a beautiful ball into Darwin by, uh, by uh, Harvey Elliott on 66 minutes, a, a, another one um, mm. to get him away and in on goals. Um, this, oh, the this first one, Darwin touch was such, just a little bit yeah. better just a bit heavier unfortunately in this case and then we start to make some changes we bring in uh, Milner for Harvey Elliott on 67 minutes I look I'll, I'll hold my hands up and say I don't really understand that move I don't really get the obsession with getting Milner into the team whenever we possibly can but there's no point in us trying to understand it because Klopp wants to do it and he will always do it it seems if he can so that's the change that's made by us um, there's another decent move on 69 minutes involving Darwin and Mo Salah um, a nice little touch by Bobby Firmino and then a little bit of a carry and that leads to a corner on 70 and there's some interplay after the corner uh, which ends up with Virgil heading narrowly wide from a Robbo cross and then they bring on a couple of players and I'll take that last chunk of the match with Carl I think anything in that little piece that you wanted to chat about? No, like it, the game had gotten quite disjointed at that point after they yeah. made their first group of substitutes we had sort of lost our way a little bit. And for all the good Harvey was doing on the ball, he was equally as bad off the ball. Um, I thought I thought Trent had a, another up and down defensive game where there was a couple of really good moments and a couple of really bad moments. Gomez was the same. I just thought we needed a bit more, I don't know, a bit more gusto from the two of them. Like they seemed very just very relaxed about everything. Maybe it was the lead that had them feeling very comfortable and confident. But, you know, when when Ibu plays there, there's a level of aggression about our defending that I think we were sorely lacking on, on the right side today. And it, it's not Harvey's fault. He's not a midfielder. So he's, he, you know, he doesn't know what he's meant to be doing all the time. But I do think we, we did suffer down that side defensively in the second half. Um I, I don't know why he continues to bring on Milner. I, it's like a sickness with him. But it, the, a big deal will be made now that he's reached 600 appearances and he's in some elite club. But I just point out, like, the other lads in that 600 appearance club, they were starting every game. James Milner's been a squad player for five years. It's not, it's not the same. He's a squad player at City as well. It's not the same thing. So... You know, he he gets credit for being old and having stuck around a long time, but that's basically about it. 
Well, there will be at least one more Jimmy Miller highlight before the end of the game and uh, myself and Carl uh, will talk about that now uh, for what it's worth. There's a little bit of uh, more sort of breakup of the game, Carl, on 72 minutes. They bring on Lianco uh, for a Bella catch-up and uh, we bring on Oxlade-Chamberlain uh, on 75 minutes for Bobby Firmino. And there is a further chance for Southampton. It's an Adams header, brilliantly saved by Allison. Outrageous, the best of his saves, reaching all the way across the goal to get a strong hand to it. Um, it's just, it's just a world class moment from our keeper. And, um, there, you know, as has been said um, by Dave and yourself, there were too many times when that was a necessity today, and that, that that's annoying. But you know. Um, there's also the point to be made that that's why we have Allison, and he does what Allison does. So maybe too much um, self-flagellation isn't required in these situations. On 77 minutes, uh, Sally Sue headed a Ward Prowse free kick wide, kind of across the face of goal. And then on 83 minutes, we have the Jimmy Milner jumping and dancing around like a lunatic klaxon when he basically throws himself and falls into the way to maintain possession of the ball and then buys a free kick in that very clever Jimmy Milner stick your arse out and get pushed over way. Um, that always gives me some sort of feelings of warmth when I see it. Uh, if we have to endure uh, old Jimmy coming on each each match, it's nice to see some of his, um, uh, his, his trademarks just to see the game out then, there is a Virgil header from Simicus Cross, which goes just wide. There is um, four minutes added. And on that, another uh, important couple of moments. Virgil does pretty well with a defensive header back to Ali on 91 minutes. Um, Mo cut in and shot on 92. And then... That's pretty much that. I say important things. It's just it, it, the little intervention by Virgil. I like to see that. Obviously, it would have been better if it was to protect a clean sheet. But Alisson did his damnedest to make sure um, that we didn't concede any more. And it was nice, like I said earlier on, to see Virgil doing Virgil things. A word just for Andy Robertson then. Uh, this is taking, stealing a little bit from your um, special uh, stat bag at the end of the show. But... Andy Robbo is now the highest assist maker in the fullback position level on 53 assists with Leighton Baines. And that's a hell of a thing in and of itself. Anything you wanted to say about that last part of the match before I go to Dave for his wrap-up thoughts and we finish the show then with you? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I just say I think that Alisson save might be one of the best I've seen this season in any of the leagues, to be perfectly honest. It was actually quite quick footwork. He was in a good position to begin with. It was very, very athletic and not all of that, but it wasn't just like a palm away. It was a proper claw out of the, you know, what would have been basically a tap-in zone as well. Uh, it did divert direction. It sort of got it towards safety as well. Just an all-around unbelievable stop, that one. Uh, again, probably good that if, if we didn't have to call on him quite so much, but... It makes such a difference. I mean, you think back to when we started building this team, we were starting to get to be a good team, but we still had you know, Mignolet and Carrius and goal, and it was a gradual improvement. And sometimes they were good and sometimes they were not. This guy is just like 99% of the time, absolutely amazing. Like we're obviously Liverpool focused here, but he's one of the few people who actually could decide this World Cup, which is coming up now as well. And this may seem incredibly frivolous, um, 
but I, I, again, I, I have to mention it. I, I can't. I, I don't understand what I'm looking at with Beardless Ali. It's 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 a worry. Uh, <laughs> I hope he addresses it <laughs> over the next while. Um, maybe he'll grow a World Cup depression beard or something like that. We'll see how it goes. Uh, I'll be back to you to wrap up the show in a minute, Carl. So if there's anything you want to um, uh, throw out towards the end, you can be getting that ready. And Dave, let's do the wrap up, you and I now, from your perspective. Um, anything you want to bring up or refer to just in the uh, in the end here? Yeah, like like we said at the start, an important three points. We're now five points off. Tune seven. I think they're playing now, so we'll we'll see how that is afterwards. Seven points off Spurs, who are third. We've got a game in hand on Spurs. We're only a point behind United. That they play Fulham uh, tomorrow, so we'll see how that one goes. But you know, we're in the mix. We're in it. We're in a good spot, and certainly, we're more than capable of off the back of this break with the right additions in January, really putting together a good long run in the second half of the season. And, you know, we expect that we'll get more of what we saw today from Virgil, that we'll get more of what we saw today from Robbo. Thiago as well is going to have a nice break, as is Robbo. You know, Fab is going to the World Cup, but will likely spend most of it sitting down. So he'll hopefully come back refreshed. Um... Like you, I, I, I don't approve of Allison's uh, decisions in his appearance today. <laughs> I, I thought something terrible had happened and that the actual Ali had pissed off to Qatar already to get ready for the World Cup and this was some doppelganger we'd ordered off Wish or something uh, when someone <laughs> walking in. But, you know, it's good, good. It's always nice for him to change it up, but he'll be back to looking like the most handsome bastard in the world and in two or three days once that stubble kicks back in. Uh, I'd like us all, though, to take this moment to just spare a thought for our blue brotherhood across Stanley Park. Everton fans, I was thinking about this because, like, they commented, they, I saw a comment on Twitter after the game about how Southampton fans, when they scored, I think they were making some gestures at some of the Liverpool fans. And someone said, enjoy the long trip back south. And it got me thinking, like, Southampton's about four hours from Liverpool. Bournemouth is about four and a half hours. And there are Everton fans who travel down, not just tonight, but in the week as well. So they spent four and a half to five, probably five hours on a coach, you'd imagine, going down on Wednesday to get beat 4-1, to spend five hours coming back, and then they spent another five hours going down this morning to get beaten 3-0, and now they're making their way back on another five-hour journey. So 20 hours spent on a coach this week for the Ev fans to see their side get pumped twice by Bournemouth. I mean, just when you think things are going badly for us, you can always just look across at that lot for some <laughs> comedy relief. It's magnificent to see. The fans are giving it absolute pelters at some of the players. Lampard's coming across to try and calm things down. He's getting told where to go as well. It's just tremendous crack. The life and times of an Everton fan must just be must just be really, really interesting. Uh, so enjoy the trip home, lads. I, I hope it's a, I hope it's a nice slow 
traffic impinged journey. Um, but yeah, as for us, we were just happy enough to be at this break. And I think, I think we're one of the teams that will be very happy by this break. You know, you, you'd look at Toon and, and Arsenal, they're probably gutted that this break is coming right now. And then you look at like ourselves, City have been the loss today. They were wobbly last week. They're probably delighted. Spurs are definitely going to be delighted because they've been garbage, but they did get a win today. West Ham probably very, very happy. I'd imagine Everton fans are thrilled, but I'd say Lampard is gutted because now his his bosses have five weeks to think about how bad he is at his job and potentially find someone else. Um, so yeah, all in all, like I said earlier, great a great day. If if only if only the te- we hadn't been so poor to this point, like this city wobble normally would have us so excited. We'd have come on bouncing onto this podcast because they lost and we won and we might have gone top of the table in a normal season, but this is just a bizarre season. So a sixth is going to have to do for now. Yeah, uh, to quote uh, Guy, Guy Drinkle before the um, before the show, we've sneaked into the Europa places. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and just to confirm, <laughs> it will be Guy Drinkle hosting the Europa League podcasts. and Which is why he's disgusted. Which is why he's disgusted. Thursday nights are Drinkle night, and I am going to take <laughs> over doing the EFL Cup games all by myself. <laughs> and if you're not listening live, you're not hearing them because I don't think Eddie and, Ga- and, and Gags are going to let those go out. So, uh, but that is the promise. If we end up in the in the uh, Europa or Conference League spots, guys, doing them, and I'll do the EFL. Yeah. Thursday nights an S Club party with Guy, uh, and we should we should um, just wrap up by giving the nod to what the uh, future looks like for the next five weeks. Uh, for listeners of Anfield Index and Anfield Index Pro podcast, so obviously your daily shows will 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 um, will forge ahead with mm. endless topics for you to be discussing. It's not these these big stories not going to go away. You you probably will begin to find it tedious with no matches to uh, uh, refer to. Yeah, but I survived the summer going... each year, so it's fine. Like I can. I can do a full day on each Premier League club, and that's 20 days worth of content. So that'll take care of two-footed. The Daily Red, we're going to morph it into a World Cup pod with Carl, and that's where that'll be. And if there's anything that breaks of a day Liverpool-related, I'll do a special Daily Red on that. So if there's more stuff about the owners or whatever, we'll follow every step of the, the ownership situation. And we'll have content to to match. Uh, there's an old school recorded today. I don't know if it's out yet. I assume it is. Um, where myself and, and Gags had a good old chat for about an hour and forty five minutes about you know FSG, the idea of them selling, who we would want, who we wouldn't want, where you sort of would draw a line in the sand at the at you know potential new owners and whatever else. Um, I had a good old shout at Gags, which is always a, a you know a fun part of of an old school. Uh, it was just nice of him though to take the time out from shunning the listeners uh, who he you know deems beneath himself uh, to actually take time to come and, and do a podcast. That was nice of him. I thought it was really really big of him. 
It is good for him to reach out to the little people every so often yeah, exactly. um, from, from his ivory tower. We do appreciate that, Gags. Thanks. <laughs> uh, and, and, and the thing about it is as well, in case you're wondering, there'll be endless content from the channel as well. I know myself and Dave Davis are going to get back in the transfer train. Yes, that's right. I'm doing a transfer show. I'm, I'm just hosting it. Dave's going to do all the all the hard, heavy lifting there. Uh, and myself and young Hendrick here will definitely get back to our book-based podcast. There'll be lots. There will be endless stuff. Yeah, there'll be lots. We'll be all making up the usual quota so you won't be left uh, hanging in terms of content I can also roundly promise you that I'll be involved in no podcast to do with the World Cup because I, I probably won't even be able to watch it um, but to finish up then Carl what about yourself what any wrap up thoughts on today and then do sort of segue out and into what we can expect from you over the sort of f- five week chunk to come uh, actually, I don't want to say anything else about this match whatsoever, but I do want to just build on the uh, lovely little, you know, wave hello out the window that Dave gave our, our blue neighbours, of course. Um, it's not just the fact that they've lost to Bournemouth, and it's not just the fact that they lost to Bournemouth twice, and it's not even the fact that they lost to Bournemouth away from home twice in the same week. It's also the fact that they've lost twice away from home in the same week to managerless Bournemouth, yeah. whose, cur- whose current standing coach is the former Liverpool youth coach, Gary O'Neill. Gary O'Neill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a nice detail. Lampard, is, Lampard is 38 games into his Everton tenure, and he has one win less than Gerrard did in 40 games and one draw less than Gerrard did in 40 games at Villa. Same amount of defeats. So their next two games are Wolves at home in Lopetegui's first league game, and then City away, if he's if he survives past the uh, the World Cup break, there is next two games. So I think after I believe 40 he's games, a worse record than Rafa as well. Yes, yes, he I, does. I believe his record is, is worse than Rafa. Yeah, so you know c- c- when you consider how much they're hyping up and trying to build him up to be, but he gets uh, them Trent. something he's not that easy. He gets them. He does get them. Yeah, gets Well, you see, you don't need trophies to be a winner. You know, you don't need trophies to be a winner at Everton. But well, he shouted at Klopp um, that's actually better than winning trophies. That's the, he's the one to shout in the club trophy. <laughs> uh, Carl, what we got then from you over the week, we've heard you're going to be involved in some sort of mm. regular broadcast with young Hendrik there on the World Cup. What else can we expect from you in terms of writing as well? Is, 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 is that going to become World Cup-centric in its... Yeah, I've been pretty much non-stop on writing World Cup stuff over the last sort of two, three weeks. So in the lead up to the World Cup across the sort of two, three days beforehand, and then throughout it, there will be an absolute waterfall, to be fair. So stay on the Twitters and the LinkedIn's or whatever it is that you use. I'll try and put some stuff in the uh, scouted Discord chat if Guy lets me and people want it. Um, yeah, quite a lot of features and interviews and looking at the teams and tactical analysis and all kinds of things. So lots and lots of World Cup fun. If that's your bag, I obviously understand you won't be reading any of it and that's fine. We will also be doing a whole bunch of scouted on Tuesday to release during the World Cup for the people who want content in their ears, but not being World Cup focused. So we're going to line up a load of Liverpool stuff, which is going to be perfectly fine to listen to across the rest of November, December as well and keep you going until Christmas. 
Lovely. And that's where you're wrong, my friend. I will actually be reading your stuff because that's where I'll be getting my World Cup info from. So that's usually how I work. I'll find a source that I can actually rely on. So that's that's where that will be going. Uh, let me begin to wrap this up then um, by saying thanks to Carl Matchett and to Dave Hendrick and to producer Guy Drinkle. That's a wrap for the first half of the season on Raw. And we can all sort of uh, rest our weary bones and wearier heads um, for a five-week period until we reconvene um, for more of this stuff in the second half. And hopefully it will overall have a far more familiar feel to it because Raw has always and almost always been a happy, happy time. Uh, and we've overseen um, and been um lucky enough to witness a hell of a lot of victories it would be nice if we return to that norm as opposed to whatever this first half of the season has been so from me Trev Downey we will speak to you soon keep an eye on all the good content coming out from Anfield Index and Anfield Index Pro I will talk to you very very soon we hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.